players. Like Holland is is a big name that uh, recently came from from Salzburg. He sold the again. country of Holland. What? Yeah, Erlen Island is a, a country. I thought it was Erlen Netherlands. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that guy. Oh, that's funny um, stuff. That's a that's a great joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if anyone's ever saw it. Union goals scored by AJ and Luke, the Goofy Brothers. Hey guys, Doopy Brothers podcast presented by the Brotherly Game. I'm AJ down in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and I am solo tonight. I got a episode all by myself. <laughs> Uh, that laughing you hear is not Luke. It's just me. It's episode seventy-five. Um, All right, I'm just gonna take off. Then. <laughs> just kidding. Hey, Luke, how's it going, buddy? Hey, yeah, I'm I'm Luke. Uh, I'm also here, and yeah, episode seventy-five. So let's 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 both talk at this. All time. right, cool. Um, so yeah, so we'll talk about the Revs game. Uh, I guess a lot to talk about. I don't know. Um. Then uh, Brendan Aronson details of his deal came out. We'll talk about Supporter Shield and some other stuff. Um, and lastly, is Toronto on Saturday the biggest Union game in the history of Union game regular seasons? But anyway, let's get into episode 75. We won. We played the Revs again. Um, so well, that's our fourth time playing them, right? Yes, that, it feels like more. And so we've we're a three zero and one, right? We had one tie and we beat them three times. Right. All right. Cool. Cool. So that's crazy. Um, not and yeah. I feel like each game we play a little bit worse. because uh, like we had the first time we beat them, that was fine. The second time, I think we tied, right? Then the third one we beat them, but they were a man down and kind of outplayed us a little bit, being a man down. And then last night they uh, they they definitely I'd say outplayed us, um, but uh, somehow yeah no I, I agree with that yeah so we, we uh, yeah and, and, and sorry kind of my thought process we play them again uh, at the end of the year which as, as the trend goes we'll play even worse and then hopefully we don't play them in the playoffs to where we totally crap the bed. But so we've we're three zero and one, which means we've got ten points from them. We only we've got thirty eight on the season. That's over twenty five percent of our points have come from the revs. That's kind of crazy. That is wild, yeah. Because think about like how like the Canadian teams all had to play each other so much, and like oh, it makes it so unbalanced. They're playing the same teams over and over again. It's like oh, think looking at that way, like oh, we played the revs probably almost as much as Toronto has played like Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Pro- it's so weird. Probably more because Toronto is just playing East, uh, Northeast type teams. Oh yeah, maybe maybe Montreal was the better pick in that yeah. situation. But yeah, it's still crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, we got the win. We're still sitting in second place, three points behind Toronto. A solid two points per game. That is awesome. And uh, still the top goal differential in the East. Um. Only one team in the league has a better one than us. Those uh guys in Seattle. Well, that's pretty awesome. We are, or I guess yeah. we're good. Um, what what do you want to talk about? Yeah, so let's get into the Revs, uh, the Revs game and the performance because 
yeah, like you said, it wasn't wasn't a good performance. That we the Revs definitely dictated, like dictated the pace the whole mm-hmm. game. To start the game, the Revs really were pressing well and pushing the Union back a lot. And there's you know a lot of factors they they, they executed their their presses really well. But I don't know, maybe Jack Elliott didn't help that in being able to transition the ball forward in his spot, and he was still kind of you know finding his feet in the number six position because he hasn't played that you know outside of a couple of minutes in the game since like college, I guess. So, you know, he did fine, but it definitely didn't help. And the Rebs were, were, t- were handling him pretty well. And, you know, they, they, they pressed a lot and everything, but they weren't able to really capitalize on much, um, much of that. They, you know, gave, got some turnovers and put the unit in bad positions, but never really like capitalized on that. So it, it, it helped. And then, um, Union, you know, in the first half, still got a little bit into the game as as the half went on, but the the first goal, the own goal, was, you know, it was fluky. It was an own goal, so like, you know, Wagner made a great play, made a great run, but that, you know, Union weren't didn't really weren't really expecting this to score a goal at half, so they got pretty lucky, and you know, the ball bounced their way, so nice to, you know, take that into half, but, and the second half, they got a little better, and they, you know, you knew to press a little more, but they also weren't able to capitalize much on their pressing, and, and do too much, so it was just, wasn't the greatest game, you know, we just kind of got lucky, and are also super, super lucky that we have Andre Blake and goal. Yeah, for sure, we look like we're missing our leadership out there, we're just running around a lot, um, felt like, as much as, like, Bedoya, I don't know. Sometimes we give him a hard time, um, just because he's getting older and slower and slide tackles a lot. Um, you you could tell we were missing some leadership out there. I mean, you've got some experience, but it's all in the back between um, Gaddis, McKenzie, Glessness, um, I guess even Wagner, but and Blake. You got all the experience in the back, and it seemed like the front front six were just kind of chasing, running around. Um, yeah. I, and obviously there's organization to it, but it wasn't exactly the most organized looking uh, situation for them. Um, yeah, and yeah, I agree that I think I think we got lucky. And even there's something on MLS soccer like there's like three things to take away from this game: the bounces went the Union's way, and it really did. Even like, I mean, the referee. Uh, we, I had the Revs broadcast, and they were complaining a lot about the referee. I, I, and I never care about that. I mean, refs are going to be bad regardless, um, especially if you lose a tight game like that. The mm-hmm. off-flag call was big um, on the broadcast. I don't know about you guys, but... <laughs> you know, Tommy and JP just kind of breezed by. <laughs> oh, well, okay. I thought it was, like, arguably the biggest moment of the game. Um I no, I agree. I thought it was like gonna get called back. I was I was getting really nervous, but then like the review wasn't that long, and JP and Tommy were like looked at it, it was like ah, you know, it's offsides, it's clear, whatever. And like I was like, I, I, I didn't that it looked really really close. I didn't think it was clear, but uh, saw some stuff online that people said it was. Um, that's cool, I guess. Uh, I Montero also. I think we got lucky that he didn't get sent off. Um, that was a big talking point with the Revs broadcast. Because he had picked up a yellow, and then within a minute he was tripped and was on the ground and kind of tripped a guy while he was on the ground. And mm-hmm. they were freaking out, thinking that should be a second yellow. 
I, I did. I thought it was a little exaggerated asking for a second yellow for that. That'd be a lot to to yeah. say. It wasn't like he really swung at a guy. Um, oh, there was also like I, I just thought the broadcast was poor. And this is like not about the game, I know, but I I just think the the Patriots broadcast team camera guys they they didn't do well. And then there was like. I don't know if you guys got the 30 seconds of a woman sitting in the stands talking about something uh, while the ball is in play. Do you remember that? Did you get that? Um, I I feel like maybe. I feel like our cameras would, would have been the same, but I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. So there was this, there was this section of the game. It, ball goes out, goal kick, and then they, this woman starts talking, and then they go to her sitting in the stands, and she's talking about some supporter, and I should have listened better to get the whole thing, and I'm sure there's some nice story behind it, but... I heard play going on while she, while they're watching her just talk. And uh, I'm sitting here in bed freaking out, and Kate's, like, reading. She's like, it's okay, it's okay. I'm like that, like, soccer's being played. Like, this isn't a hard game to broadcast. Like, you just put the camera on the field, let them play, and let whoever talk that wants to talk, talk. Anyway, um, so let's get back into gameplay. Sorry, a little, little yeah. gripe session about crappy broadcast. No worries. So, yeah, let's get into the game-winning goal. Um, Anthony Fontana scores another goal. That's his second goal as uh, since his, he, he had his birthday. And, uh, I mean, he he's just knows how to score. Like, it's really good. Like, he didn't have the greatest game. Like, he wasn't super influential. But, it, it, you know, you could say that about most of the, the attackers from the unit this game. Yeah. But he popped up when he needed to. And, you know, it was a great ball for Montero. But that finish was... I mean, class, that was man. very creative and, and huh, what did you say? Top class. <laughs> it was top class. Yeah, it was it was great. And you know, dude, uh, he scored. On a, he uh, scored in the 69th minute. How about that? I messaged. That uh, was nice. Social media and um, he 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 appreciated the shout out on the 69th minute. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and I like what you said. Like he wasn't very influential. But who was on the offense? So I mean, if you, I was like yeah. kind of looking at stuff. Uh, Aronson definitely filled in in the Bedoya role as the. I mean, he was all over the place, intercepting, um, stopping plays. It wasn't his most flashy game, but if you go and look at kind of his defensive work, it, it felt like a Bedoya. And it, when you look at the graphic, it looks like a very Bedoya type performance. Um, his mm-hmm. distribution was. Not, not very good though. Um, yeah, he didn't find the ball a lot though. Yeah, I'm, Elliot, I know you kind of talked about this. I thought he was fun at the six, and yeah, not the, maybe not the most effective, not uh, the guys that we needed um, to be the most effective there. But I thought I thought he was fun. It was fun seeing a guy playing a different position and seeing his footwork and stuff. A couple loose touches here and there, but you could tell that he he felt more comfortable having guys behind him to to go forward with the ball take a dribble make a turn and it was cool seeing that he has that skill because it's not really something we ever get to see because you don't ever want your center back uh taking a guy on one-on-one um right yeah no i think it was impressive that he was able to do that um he had that one one ball into aronson that mm-hmm. was pretty early in the game that aronson didn't handle too well his first touch was a little little rough and he didn't wasn't able to get a great chance off it but like the Elliot's vision to like find that pass and put it right on his foot was that was pretty impressive like that was like a you know a Harris 
Medina did tight pass, and it, I think it almost like caught Aronson off guard. That's why he didn't handle it as well as he did, but or else he could have. But yeah, you know, I mean, there's there's some moments where he was he was pretty impressive yeah. with his just his I'm passing, and you know, we guys, you know, that's not surprising. We know he's a really good passer, but in that position, that was pretty cool to see. Oh yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a shame Aronson missed that one. That would have been a nice, obviously, a good way to start the game, but um, excuse me. Um, I say excuse me. Uh, yeah, so McKenzie, you put in there, he was excellent. He really was, man. He is just, I mean, it's it's a weekly, weekly thing we have to say is just to recognize how awesome he was. Right. Yeah, and really, like, this game could have turned really poorly for the Union because the last, you know, 15, 20 minutes, the Rebs really, really took the mm-hmm. Union and created a lot of chances. Uh, and, you know, credit to McKenzie and, and, and obviously the rest of the, the back line to keep it together. And, you know, it was a lot of those like, like last ditch defending and throwing your body in front of the ball and just doing whatever you can just to stop a shot and stop the, the Rebs from doing what they were trying to do. And, you know, credit to you, like, it wasn't pretty, but, the, you know, they got the job done, and that's the end of the day, that's what matters, and, you know, I, I, and I can't ignore the fact that Andre Blake was incredible, and his save on um, on that free kick was, I mean, it was just unreal. Yeah. Uh, where would we be without him right now? How many, how, how would you say how many points would he have? Uh, I, I don't you gotta be. You gotta, it's gotta be at least like three wins. Yeah. So you're you're looking at maybe like six points. So you're then you're looking at, you know, fourth place with Orlando. Um, like we're we're kind of at that level right now because of Blake. We're towards the Toronto FC level. So that that's big. I mean, that's, you know, you're looking at a home playoff run compared to maybe one game at home and then you're going on the road. And that's thanks to one guy. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, impressive huge. that Lee win. Still, you know, decent player. Yeah, yeah, dude, he looked, he was pretty good. And oh man, Buchanan is is a very good player. His goal was a rip. Yeah, but he's I mean he's was it deflected or no? I didn't. I don't think so. I don't know. Um, but I mean he's good. Like he, I think he always plays well against yeah. Union too. Like he always gives uh Wagner or Ral whoever it's been in, in these games out there. Like he's. He's a he's a good attacking winger and gives us a lot of trouble. So fortunately, that's, I mean, he got the, his goal, but fortunately, it was only just the one goal because he had the the, the second or the offsides call goal that you know could have could have gone their way. But yeah, I mean, he's I'm I'm nervous about him. Like I know they got yeah Win and Bunbury and uh, Bo when he's healthy and all that those guys. But Buchanan's always the one that gives us the most trouble. It feels like right and. Uh... Yeah, Wagner looked a little bit gassed when he was when he was done. Um, yeah. um, I was texting about the subs, uh, Burke. That's exciting. Obviously, very exciting to oh, him. Yeah, and it, it was cool to see his face in a Union shirt running onto the field again. Kind of got that like mm-hmm. good feels. Um, Andrew Vooten, uh, very invisible. I mean, it's like impressive with how little he can do in 12 minutes on the field he we talked about it already but he completed two passes um i mean that's i i don't know why 
why we're still even subbing him in. Also kind of a weird time to put in another striker when you're you're trying to hold on to the lead. Um, I feel like... And he would... Well, it's subbing a two-striker at the same time because he came in the right. same time as Burke. Yeah. But then he played, like, as a winger. And, like, Vuin is, like, the least... Least of our strikers that could play that position. Yeah. I, like, he was just, like... I, I don't know why Curtin put him in that position because I, like, kind of... I think that's more of a fault on Curtin, maybe, but... Maybe he just wanted him for maybe his defensive abilities yeah. because of the, where the game was at. But yeah, like he just didn't wasn't able to do anything. And so it was, it was frustrating. If, I don't know. If you're going to sub in a striker to play winger, like, and if it's not like Santos because he was obviously already out there, but I don't know. Like, give that to Galena. Like, he's a guy who could play that position pretty well. And he's a striker, has fresh legs, and would be able to do that. And so I don't know. It's, it's frustrating that, that Bootman is still who we're going to. And hopefully with Burke back we will see less they have to see less of him. Well yeah, I so I wouldn't say put Galena in there, but put Matt Real. Like Real didn't yeah. come in oh, until yeah, the eighty ninth minute. If you're going to put someone in as a winger, put in Real who's done that. Or put in an Umbezo and if you gotta switch Gaddis over to the left. But I mean like yeah, to put I mean maybe maybe Curtin's just like seeing something like Putin's got something and we gotta get him on the field. He's like El Cino, just uh, the invisible version of it. Because he seems to feel – he seems to think he has to put Vooten into the game almost weekly. And there isn't really an explanation. There isn't, like, stats to back it up. There isn't, like, anything to say this guy deserves to keep getting chance after chance. For some yeah, reason – The only thing – For some reason – The only – Curtin feels like he needs to keep doing this. The only thing I could say was, for this game at least, too, like, it was, he did come on when they're up 2-0. So you take out, what was it? He did come in for Santos, I guess. Uh-huh. So you, like, take out a, a striker and then give him, give that, give Santos some rest. So I think that that's the only, the only benefit we can really see from setting a mutant is giving these other guys rest because of the scheduling is, is tough and is, you know, you, you know, giving as much rest as possible for, for some of these guys, these starters. So that's the the one benefit I see from uh, bringing a boot, which is not great. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is weird. It is weird. Um, so, yeah, we escape. That was, that was good. And those are points, whether they're, you know, fancy or not. Three points are three points. Mm-hmm. Puts us, right. you know, keeps us in, in the race. Uh, for the whatever supporters shield if they're gonna have it um, and more importantly home playoff games need to stay above stay above the teams behind us um, yeah do you want to go you need best you need worst yeah else you want to go yeah yeah I was trying to think I've got yeah, a couple places I could go with a couple of the uh, worst I'll, I'll go best I'll go with Right, go I'll go it. with the font, man. Keep scoring. Nice. Um, right now, he is, according to MLS website, MLSsoccersoccer.com, Philadelphia Union's Anthony Fontana is the best finisher in MLS so far this year. And so he's he's putting up the numbers, obviously. Goals per game is pretty high up there, as you can imagine. So, uh, and... Yeah, that's yeah, pretty good. Yeah. He's just living his best life right now. <laughs> he really is. 
All right, my my Union best would be easily would be Andre Blake. Yeah. Um, I mean, he saved the game for us, and he was spectacular. And it wasn't just that one save; like he had a you know a lot of great saves in this game. I want him to say an honorable mention would be to Corey Burke, just because I I, I was so psyched to see him back out there, mm-hmm. and it must feel so good for him after the crap that he's been through with you know all the all the stuff. So it's really nice to have him back and just. I, I, you do, we know like how excited he is to be back and and playing for the for the union. It's it's a big deal to him, so it's it's really great to have him back and hopefully he can use some damage with the the last couple of games that he'll get. Yeah, and he, and he did look decent. Like he was when he came in, he created a couple of chances. You know, there yeah, there are a couple uh, passes that didn't connect, but he 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 was trying and he and he put himself in a good position to to make those plays. So you know, it wasn't you know uh, he didn't really. You know, create any goals, obviously, but he there is there is some um, some creativity there, and he brought some stuff to the game as a, coming in after not playing for the union for a year, so that's pretty encouraging. Yeah, um, his twelve minutes were definitely a lot more productive than Boone's. Just saying, like <laughs> yeah. stats say it, the eye test says it. Uh, yeah, the fact that those two came in at the same moment, just kind of looking at their, their different passing maps and tackles and fouls and stuff, it's like, whoa. That's uh this guy hasn't been with the team for how long and he did this compared to the guy who's been right. with the team for over a year. Um all right, uh so that was our best, our worst. I'll let you go first for this one. Okay, um I'm not gonna pick on Vooten anymore, so I'm gonna go with Casper. Mm-hmm. Um there was another just uh, also somewhat invisible game from him, uh, which is unfortunate because we're he's a guy we kind of need to rely on in, in the crucial point of the season. So another not great performance from him. Yeah. Yeah. We need we need him to start scoring. Start scoring, sir. Yep. Um, my worst is someone who didn't make the 18, Matai Orvich. Uh, <laughs> like, I everyone's got the same thought. Like, I, like what what in the world? This is... This has to go down as one of the uh, poorest signings in Union history. One of the saddest. Yeah, it's just it's just strange too. Like, there's got to be some, I don't know, maybe like off-field stuff that he's working through and Curtin isn't happy with or something. Because to not give him a chance, like, like he's had plenty. Like, there's been plenty of opportunities with like, you know, Martinez has been out for so long. Craval's been injured. You know, you're, you're starting a center back in this in the number six position. He played fine, but if Wervitz isn't even on the roster, and I don't think there wasn't a reported injury about for for this last night, and so I don't know, man. It's just weird. It's just weird. Yeah, yeah. How far down on the depth chart is he? Just you just don't know, and it doesn't seem like there's any any sign that they want to even give him a shot. And it's like, yeah. Not to just keep going back to the Vooten well, but like if you're giving them this guy who's not being that productive, but like I mean, and I, I mean, things for like a guy like Delina who plays the same position as Vooten, but like for Orvitz, his position has been open, opened up by injuries, yellow card accumulation. Like, uh, it was open at the beginning of the season, yeah, and you just and I, I don't know if it's him. I don't know what the deal is, but uh, yeah, it is it is crazy. He is only 21, so he is he is a young man. 
Um, but to sign him for a three-year contract, uh, I don't know. Hopefully, the next couple of years are a little more productive, and we can have a little more of a sexy season, which we'll talk about in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, I think we beat that game down to a dead horse. Uh, or what, what? You beat it down to a dead horse? Beat it down. That sounds like a weird expression. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah, correction from last pod. Uh, Bedoya did not get five yellow. The second suspension is after only three yellow cards. Just speaking of that oh, position okay. being open for Horvitz. Um, yeah, thanks, Matt, for letting me know that one. All right, cool, man. Let's go ahead and take a break after the break. We'll talk about uh, Red Bull Salzburg. We'll talk about Supporter Shield. And we'll talk about Toronto game on Saturday. Come back after this. Hey, guys. Doopy Brothers podcast presented by the Brotherly the Game. AJ here all by myself doing a solo pod uh, for your enjoyment. Doing my best Luke impression. Luke, how's it going? Just as funny the second time. Just as funny the second time. Well, that's good stuff. Um, all right, man. I'm going to let you kind of take the lead on this one. Brendan Aronson to Red Bull Salzburg. A lot of money. Let me hear it. Yeah. Yeah, so it was made official on last Friday, you know, right after we, the day after we recorded our podcast and tweeted out our episode. So thanks, thanks oh, for course. that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's a huge deal. It's it's really, really exciting. So Aaron, the, the deal is um, a $6 million fee with a potential to go up to nine based on uh, performance-based you know, metrics or whatever that um, supposedly, according to the reporting, is pretty feasible to reach so that's really really crazy a lot a lot more than i think most of it expected um and it's also the highest transfer fee of an american homegrown which i'm sure everyone is who's listening is, is is aware of this but it's just you know even saying it is it's still crazy to hear but our one our little brendan aronson is, is making as big of a deal and it's it's really impressive there's still there's a 10 to 20 percent sell-on fee um he's on contract till 2025 it, according to the reports i'm pretty sure that's and crazy he's worth the number 11 for for Salzburg, which is also like a big deal because it's like a pretty important number that shows his importance to the club and shows that they're they're actually like a serious about the signing it's not just uh a signing where it's like oh we'll just throw some a couple million into this kid and you know he'll ride the bench or get loaned out or whatever that's that 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 is an, a little hint of like their their commitment to him and it's not that we expect anything else because of Salzburg situation how they are as a club but it's it's a, this is just a huge deal it's really exciting um Friday it was just the, the the most one of the most enjoyable days as a union fan that didn't relate to an actual game yeah man uh, you uh, sit back listen to that doopy brother podcast release and Brennan Aronson deal <laughs> no so I will say I got I don't want to say like emotional but uh the truth is it was like kind of emotional um, watching all these little clips of our guy Brendan Aarons, it's like it is cool. We talked about this before on the pod that with the union, all of our players are really our guys. They're not really from other MLS teams, and not only that, like this kid is a homegrown who you know we've heard about. We saw him in a Jersey release video when he was like three years old. Um, and then you see all these clips of like his stuff. And knowing that he's going to be leaving, I don't know. It was like, it was like weirdly, dorkily, soccer nerdly emotional. I was like, oh, this is like sad. 
um, in a way. Obviously good in the whole, but like, you know, it's like yeah, no, I I totally agree, and especially like hearing in his in his press in the press conference they held about it, um, hearing him say how important it was to him that he got to stay with the union the rest of the season and he how important it was to him to try to win a trophy uh for the union and, and how much the union meant to him and like that really like choked me up when uh when he was saying that and made me feel 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 some ways because it's it's really just cool to hear and, like obviously like we don't doubt that from him or any other union player but it in, in a moment like this where he's so excited to move on to this this huge chapter in his life and he still is like focused like i want to win the union trophy i want to do this for this club because of how much they meant to him in his life so it's it, it was just uh, yeah it was yeah I, I agree it was a very darkly emotional day but i it was it was just so important so i i think we would get a pass in it yeah 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 we get a pass we're cool we're cool we're not we're not dorks <laughs> um all right so i i, I want to throw out some numbers because to like kind of puts perspective on Aronson six million plus up potentially up to nine because it, it's hard to like kind of see how that that scales with with European transfer market and how much money gets thrown around. But Salzburg, you know, they they've sold some some big name players like Holland is is a big name that uh, recently came from from Salzburg. They sold the country of Holland. What? Yeah, Erlen Highland. Is a, a I thought it was Erlen Netherlands. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that guy. Oh, that's funny um, stuff. That's a that's a great joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if anyone's ever thought of it. That's good. Oh, oh man, man. I, need, uh, I need some more okay. friends. <laughs> All right, go on. <laughs> no, but his uh, the fee for him was eight point eight million for Holland. Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. So, and then if then you go to um Takumi Minamino who um went to Liverpool, um the fee for him was actually way less. And they so it's 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 crazy that, that they're spending this kind of money to for Aronson and then seeing how like he compares like Holland and stuff. So uh, it shows that like he's a he's a guy that is really has has potential and, and they see it and they're a club that they could move could move him on for to a, a way bigger stage um in a, in a year or two and, and for a lot of money so and they're the club that can do it so it's it's really impressive and i know like some of us were, were excited to see wanted to see him in like bundesliga and you know play with randy and, and adams and the other americans in that league but this is a really really great spot for him so it's exciting yeah for sure man for sure that's and uh, obviously Jesse Marsh is there. We all know he's the future of U.S. soccer. Listen to him talk on the Extra Time, Extra Time Show, Extra Time Podcast, whatever they're considered. Um, he was talking about how Aronson had been like asking the right questions, wondering about uh, positioning, how the tens play in their system, and it was cool hearing that uh, he spoke very highly, not only of Aronson as a player, but as a young man and. A soccer brain um, because that also reflects well on the union and the guys who have been coaching up Brendan as he uh, grew up um, and all the podcasts that Aronson's been on. So yeah. that's actually probably the biggest thing for Aronson is he's got a lot of media training now. Um, yeah, so you're welcome, buddy. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, 
Yeah, so he did. Are you are you good on that one? Or do you want? Me? Yeah, I got. You. I think the only last thing is to point out is that like he's the first of obviously uh, hopefully many, but it's it he's kind of sh- like this kind of solidified that like the unit are have a very sustainable model and like this could this could happen a lot with with this kind of sale and maybe not at this that that this high but a couple million and you know we already see like there's plenty of guys that can one fill his spot on the on the first team roster but then also be like guys who could get sold for for a good amount of money into europe so it's it it kind of shows like this pipeline and it's and it's really cool to see and it just feels really good as unit fans because there's a lot of uh you know, kind of growing pains and going, getting into this, this system, but it's really starting to pay off. And this was a huge payoff from, from that. So it's, it's, I don't know. It just kind of put that on perspective and it was really fun or, you know, exciting. to see. Yeah. Should union fans be looking at that six, potentially $3 million thinking uh, now we're going to go out and buy a big name player. I don't think that so. I wouldn't either. Um, because it, it, I'm pretty sure, isn't there like, only a portion of that can get used towards roster, like it, like directly into the roster. Um, it's isn't it like a certain certain point, a uh, certain amount of money? Isn't it only like under a million can it be used as like TAM or whatever again, whatever it is? I, you're asking the wrong dude. Uh, it's I mean all that's MLS money is made up and it's confusing, so it's hard to keep track of that. But I, I'm pretty sure that's there's something like that where they they can't put the six million straight into like a six million dollar striker or whatever. Gotcha. Yeah. And I don't think the union would do that. That's not really their model anyway. So it's it definitely helps and there's you know a lot of different ways they can use this money. And obviously this after this year where they the team lost a bunch of money because of the pandemic and everything, so this helps that and yeah maybe we can kind like, of that's the reality of things but it's yeah i don't know what else what really the money can do but it is exciting and there's probably more to come so. yeah maybe the team can kind of like recover a little quicker and kind of be a little more on the forefront as the as the world continues um but yeah. yeah which isn't exciting but it's also like compared to other teams who might not have this money coming in it still puts us in an advantage compared to other mls teams so if you look at that way that's not bad. yeah even if we still have uh, Mr. Sugarman as our as our owner, it's still it's still something. It's still something. Yeah, and it like it like moves up, um, you know the the budget that he sets aside for the roster probably moves it up just a little bit, and then every every sale can just move it that make that budget just a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. So it's it. I don't know. Like in the long run, this is like the first of many, and this is a huge one, but it's it, it's exciting, and you know this is. The payoff is pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Cool, man. So Aronson did say he wants to uh, leave getting a trophy for the union. And with that being said, Supporter Shield came out this week, the Supporter Shield Foundation, saying that they weren't going to have a Supporter Shield. And then they came out again and said, wait, we're going to talk about it a little bit. So <laughs> um, that's weird. But it would be like the most union thing for the union to finish top of the league on the year that the supporter shield doesn't exist, right? Of course. Like that, that's that's a foregone conclusion. If the supporter shield foundation comes out and says, "Nope, we're definitely not having it because of whatever reason," you can you just put all your money on the union to win it all, um, or at least win the regular season, because that'd be just that's just too union, too union. Um. Yeah. All right. Other thing. Um, 
if there was a name for so I wanted to do more of a segment for this, but then nothing really came came up. I couldn't really think of any. So obviously, best team in the season gets the supporter shield. Uh, what should the crappiest team get? I have a name, but I want to see if you had any since I put it in the notes. Um, it was it's the wooden spoon, isn't that what what they get? Oh, is that a real thing? Shoot. I mean, I don't know if it's like a real thing, but that's like the joke. Well. And I feel like it might be a thing. Like, I think the fans maybe made that. Or at least so. Like, I'm pretty sure a Cincinnati fan It's, it's probably that. just Cincinnati. They just have a wooden spoon. And they're like, hey, let's have this because it's us again. Um, I was going to do something like <laughs> the Gam Tam Hot Damn Award. I don't know. It rhymed. <laughs> That's pretty good. All right. That was, that was a waste of breath. All right. Anyway. So. So, I, I just want to go back to the supporter shield thing because – even though like the trophy, like, you know, the trophy thing is weird and still getting sorted out apparently because everyone freaked out over the decision because it was a really poorly made decision and timing wise and their statement, like they didn't really give a great reason for not giving the, the shield because it was just like, well, there's no fan. So there's no, no right. shield, even though the game is being is still games are still being played and the players are getting put through one of the most you know, grueling seasons ever with, you know, being away from family and dealing with every, every protocol to make this safe and the game's still going on and fans are finding all these creative ways to support their, their team still, even when they can't be in the stadium or have to be, you know, restricted access into the stadium and all this stuff. But it, it's really a weird decision, but yeah, like, come on, man. Uh, what was the point I was going to make? But it, it it'll probably turn around. I bet the 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 way the backlash has been, but you know, there's there's still a lot to play for. There's still like the the Champions yeah. uh, League spot is still there. There's still money on the line for you know the, the prize money still goes to the first team, and and then like you said, like it sets us up great for the playoffs. You get the home field advantage, and and the first two seeds in the East and the West get a buy. So that's a thing even to play for, even if you're not you know in in the supporter shield running. But it's I don't know. There's still like, even if we don't get a silly shield that like five people decide is going to be given or not given, it's like, there's still a lot to play for. And, you know, if we win, we're going to, the union fans are that just so incredible that we will make our own trophy and it'll be better. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's what I was going to say is, uh, oh man, I forgot. Yeah. So it's all made up anyway, the supporter shield, like it's uh, just um, made up thing for, I mean, by fans, like back back a uh, long time ago, Tampa fans came up with this thing. So it's all made up. So if they don't have it, someone else can just do it. And my idea, and I just want to say it out there, um, is that the Black Players for Change should come up with an award, one that actually, like, means something and has, like, some oomph behind it. And that should be the thing that goes towards the top team in the league it would it would not only commemorate like obviously the top team but uh the the movement and everything that's been going on in 2020 and um i i thought that was like a really <laughs> a really good idea by me <laughs> <laughs> but i uh, like that sounds so weird to say but like i was like man this this is a good idea and i wish i had someone to write a letter to about this um so i'll just say it out loud now but i feel like and then 
whether it stays for every year or if it's just a 2020 thing um, would be, you know, TBD. But uh, I thought that was that was a cool option. Um, but yeah, that's just I'm yeah. just, I'm just yeah. one guy with uh, just with a little podcast here and talking to your ears. All right, so what can we move on? Uh, I feel like I'm just I'm stupid. Um, cool. All right. <laughs> All right, so we, we start every game with a 4-4-2. We end with a 4-2-3-1. Uh, we score a lot of goals later in the game. Um, and and it, you can argue for different reasons, probably because Vooten's finally in the game. We score a lot more. Um, but going into – we can kind of lead this into the Toronto game, but other games of importance. We got Columbus up, uh, and then obviously playoffs. And, of course, we'll play New England three more times. Um what what lineup do you see as our best? Okay, and with that being said, like some of my thoughts that went into this were, our strikers are not exactly being very influential. Um, Fontana's being very influential, so I was almost leaning towards the four-two-three-one myself with Bedoya, Martinez, sitting, and then a front four of. Uh, Montero, Aronson, Fontana, and pick your striker, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. But well, did you have a thought on – I mean, we obviously have shown a lot of success going 4-4-2, then 4-2-3-1, so I'm not saying let's change up the whole formula, but where where do you see us being strongest and being able to put out our best players, I guess is what I'm bringing up. I, I think full strength uh, with, like, everyone – you know, healthy and available, I think, 4-4-2, because I, I think a lot of it has to do with how Martinez has been playing in the, the base of the diamond in midfield and how well he's able to cover ground and and get the ball forward when he, when he needs mm-hmm. to. Um, I, I, I just, like, personally like that look a lot. And then when we have healthy a healthy Wagner and uh, 100% Gaddis or even Mbezo on the right side, like, I feel like those guys are able to be influential in, in when there's space on the wings and with the the tighter uh, midfield. I think I like watch. I think that's pretty effective. And when that's clicking, that's that's in my mind the most um, effective union um, team. Um, but I, I I I like how I think it's interesting how Curran does it with when he switches up with the four two three one. So it's like he kind of presses and tries to do a lot and get the, get really tired as a defense with the four two. Then with the four two three one, kind of spreads it out and tries to you know find pockets against tired defenders and one v one situations with those senior. I mean, yeah, it's the El Senior lineup. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, but right. I mean, you can't you can't start El Senior and expect him to go longer than. Uh, you know, 60 effective minutes, if that. Um, sure. But, but yeah. Yeah, but, like, it, I, I like the 4-4-2. Four, four, when we start as a 4 to three, one I feel like it's, there's maybe less energy, it looks like, in my mind. Um, but I don't know. That's that's my opinion. What, what do you do? Did you have a preference? Well, I, I my preference would be 4-4-2, four, four, but my preference is also having two strikers who are effective. Currently... Mm-hmm. Our strikers are not being effective. The players who are effective right now are, are who's all behind the strikers. That's why I was kind of saying like, well, maybe if we're doing a four-two-three-one, you kind of limit the ineffective players on the field and and really try to maximize who who's giving you the biggest output. Um, I'm not, but yeah, again, I'm just this is not something to like go change any formulas. Just what's what's our best 
And, and right now, I don't think our strikers are included in the best. So if you you just put one out there and let let the guys who are actually running not falling over and stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was just just a just a thought bubble to pass along. Um, All right, so getting into the Toronto game, yeah. um, do you? want to get into lineups or do you want to just talk about the game as a whole? How do you want to start that? Uh, I, I guess the game as a whole. Um, okay. I know, I know you, your thoughts, so go ahead and I'll just ruin your thoughts. <laughs> All right. So I think the, the question has come up going leading into this game um, on social media that this is potentially our, one of our biggest games as it, ever that, you know, but let's, let's focus on or kind of narrow it down a bit and, talk about whether or not this might be our biggest game in the regular season and I I know we had like last year we I feel like we had this this argument a lot too because there's like the Atlanta game and then the LAFC game NY, I don't know, LAFC yeah like like NYC or Red Bull like in the end of the season like that but it felt pretty big too we were saying that but I feel like this game feels pretty huge because you know we've we fl- we've flirted with being top of the tail before, but this late in the season, and it's for supporters, you're not just top in the Eastern Conference. That makes this game feel really, really big in my mind. And if we beat Toronto, like, and then we would, you know, be first by goal differential, which is obviously very slim, but like that makes supporter shield, like, or whatever it is, um, really, really in our grasp and that's like something that like we've only been close to a trophy and you know open cup finals and stuff but this is a like, arguably a, a bigger trophy or bigger accomplishment let's just get, call it that then um and the union would be so close to doing that and would have all can all all can you know it's all on their hands then so it, it sets it sets them up for a pretty in, important um end of the season if, if they end of the win so I, in my mind it, it does it would be the biggest regular season game in their in their history. Um. Okay. Um. Yeah. Try to argue. No. That. Uh. The first, first of all, no. <laughs> um. I, these arguments are all just silly. It's good for social media and stuff, but like, my my argument that I was saying to you is maybe you could claim it's the biggest game in the history until the next game or at least a game a week from then. And then if, if that's the next biggest and that goes well, then the, then the, the following week is the biggest because you got, uh, and I skipped over the Chicago. So we go Toronto, Chicago. I just skipped that because that game uh, is what it is. Um, but then we'll be away at Columbus. So if we win Toronto, that's the biggest win in regular season history. Fantastic. Then we beat Chicago at home because we should do that. And then you've got this away matchup against the crew, which that that's the new biggest game in the history of um, the union, because if you lose that, then Toronto's going to pass you again. So now that's the biggest. And then let's say that goes well. So let's say we win our next three. Now the biggest game in the history of uh, union regular season is now the new England game. Of course, it all comes down to playing new England. That's the way. <laughs> that's, that's gotta be the biggest game in the, uh, Union history would be the fifth time we played New England in one season. Um, <laughs> so so it's great for, yeah, I, I say, yeah, it's cool. Like, well, social media chatter and get, I mean, obviously, I got pumped to play 
one versus two, no matter what the sport, um, because that's that's what it is. It's one versus two right now, and two has a legit shot because they're at home, and it's it's always tough to beat a team uh, more than once. Uh, and <laughs> that's kind of said funnily with uh, the New England situation where we're going to try to beat them <laughs> right. for a fourth time in a season. But, uh, yeah, so we're at home. Um, it's tough for Toronto to beat us twice, hopefully. And um, But, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to say it's not big. We, we have three of our last four at home, so that bodes pretty well. The tough, toughest ones um, would be that Toronto at home and then Columbus away. Uh, just looking at Toronto's schedule, um, after us, they play NYCFC, uh, Inter-Miami, and they say home, but we know that they're in America. They're not actually in Toronto. And then away at Red Bull. So their schedule is maybe comparable. I'd, I'd say both are kind of tough. Ours might be even a little bit easier than Toronto. So um, I, don't really, I don't really know what I'm saying, but that's just kind of the way it lines up right there. Yeah, and I, I get what you're saying with it not being the biggest game because it would lead to more bigger games. But I think if this game didn't go our way, then that wouldn't happen. So I feel like this like sets those up so that that's why it makes it more important. And like you said, it's also one versus two. So that would, that's what would make it bigger than those games, even if there's, you know, even if they're, they're you know, getting closer and closer to the trophy, like those obviously get more important. But like this, without a, a result against Toronto, like that doesn't happen. So that's why I think it's, it's, that's my argument that it's the biggest game. And yeah, so that's, that's, I just want to say that I'm right. All right. And one last thing. So if we lose this game and the team behind us wins, do you know what that does to us? Uh, maybe a bit on the third or fourth. No. So Grant, we have a game. Uh, we've played one more game than Columbus, but um, we're, we're four points ahead of Columbus right now. So you could make the argument. Now, Grant, they have a game in hand, so. You don't know, but I'd rather have the points in hand than a uh, game in hand. Um, you could, you, I could argue that, okay, we can lose this game and nothing changes. We're still in second place. Sure, but then that means like supporters or first place wouldn't be really, wouldn't be as, as attainable because like you said, Toronto's next opponents aren't as, aren't, aren't super top as well. Um, has New York Red Bull ever won a trophy? Would you say they've won a trophy? Well, they won support. They won. No, so I don't know if that's a yes or a no. So, so I get people <laughs> wanting to win supporter shield, but no one cares about. I mean, like, yeah, obviously, uh, soccer, true soccer fans, as they say, like, oh, you gotta win the league, like, uh, but in America, it's about winning the MLS Cup, um, and uh, I, uh, yeah, sorry, I'm just being argumentative, but. If 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 we lose that game, like okay, we're still gonna be second or third, and we still are gonna have a home game for playoffs, and uh, you know, uh, if we don't win supporter shield, that okay, um, but so you're saying making a getting into Champions League and and getting uh being the best having the best record or best most points in one of the strangest most difficult seasons isn't isn't uh is an interesting deal. I, I think that's a perfect way to describe it. I think it's interesting. I think that is a well-said statement. It is interesting. But are you going to remember it? No. You're going to remember who wins MLS Cup? 
We're going to remember. Yeah, we will. Yeah, and Red Bull fans remember all of their supporters' shield. They've won like three or four. That's fantastic, but no one's saying they've ever won a cup. All right, all right. I, I mean, you could say like LAFC was historically one of the greatest teams ever, be- and it was have because of their MLS season, team? because of they, they won. won MLS? No, but they, they haven't. They haven't won a they're... cup. They don't have a star on their jersey. What are the stars? On yeah, but they're... for? they don't give them for shields because. But they were like they're considered one of the best teams and had one of the best like seasons ever, and like they won the supporter shield, and that's what made them like a historically great team that goes down in the record books because of their, their season. And, and, and there's not, there's something to, there's, there's importance. To that. I cannot wait to grow up for my son Keegan to grow up and be like, Keegan, let me tell you about this historically great season for LAFC. And he's like, Oh wow. Tell me about their championship. Well, I can't tell you about their championship, but they had a really good regular season. And like that matters in soccer. Yeah. But um, Seattle won the championship. Yeah. All right. All right. That's uh, that's fine. <laughs> all right, man. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not doing this anymore. Let's, all right. So the last point I want to make about. No, I'm just kidding. All right. So what lineup do you think um, we're gonna see? So we. I think you said Martinez might be back. Uh, yeah. Like I think there's a. I don't think it's finalized yet, but I think there's like a slight chance that they could. Uh, he, he would be cleared in time for the Toronto game, which would. Obviously, change a, a whole lot. Um, if he is back, it's probably a pretty typical lineup that we've seen with him falling back into number six and they're, you know, the typical diamond. And I'm sure it'd be like Santos and Schmoko up top. And I think it, I, I, I don't know who actually, maybe the back line might be a little bit more of the question mark then. If, you know, do you think Elliot would go back into the center back role? I, yeah, you know, that, and that's, I, I don't. Cause like, but the way I, I yeah I don't know I I don't know if if we don't have Martinez back do you, do you just play Montero and Bedoya and then the three one ahead of them um, I I don't know the answer to that uh, and, and does the fact that it's Toronto play into the decision making obviously yes um, does that change does he choose to go a little more conservative protect the back line i mean i guess you also have to look at which of their players are able to play who's injured is josie going a full 90 um yeah i'm sure there's more thinking that goes into it than uh i can provide at this moment are you considering a more conservative lineup um elliot in the base of a 442 diamond or a 4231 with Bedoya and Montero. I would go on the back. Uh, I I would say with the Bedoya and Montero sitting. That's more conservative. That, that's in my. That's what I would feel. Yeah, I just feel like interesting. You're just putting four going forward, um, primarily forward and. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Yeah, I think I I think I'd rather see that kind of lineup of Bedoya and, and Montero just because of. That that ability to get like then you get you can get the Pontan into the into the game and that you know has has been provided a lot of great All things right. and yeah it's I mean uh, it's tough to think that Fontana doesn't start and right. and he might not and like and if he doesn't I I also kind of get that but it's also tough to imagine him not 
But at the same time, I can imagine him doing it, like not starting. It's weird. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, and, and the 4 2 3 one, then like Santos could play, play on the wing. And I, I kind of like seeing that too. I think sometimes he's he's better at that than up all the way up right, top. Right, right. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, 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 I also, I, I think that would be the way to do it. If, and this is also like if Martinez can't go because he's not cleared or whatever. But I, I yeah, I wouldn't be against that. Like, if, like when we saw that lineup, whatever game ago it was, we were like, okay, this is, this is a pretty good lineup. We're excited about uh-huh. this. And even if it, if it's against a, you know, Toronto, I, I still think that's like, that's a, a strong enough lineup that could win that game at home because, I mean, they're going to be so aggressive no matter what lineup goes out there, and they're going to want to, you know, take control of the game. So, I, yeah, I, I kind of like that. And I think the Elliott at the six experiment didn't do enough, yeah. like especially with how the Revs were able to kind of handle the game. I, I think having giving that kind of control to Toronto would be would it, it would it would just there there'd be no way for Phoenix to to fight back in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think if if they do go the four two three one and, and it's the Doyle one do you think LA would play the center back role over Klesnitz? I I don't I don't think so. I think I think Klesnitz stays. And and again, it's like you know six dozens in one hands and twelve half dozens in another hand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh they're both they're both great. They win a lot of head balls. I mean, they both can distribute. We're we're spoiled, and so just lots of good options. But yeah. all right, uh, do you want to go predictions or anything else you want to discuss? Dude, then? you forgot the big news. Oh yeah, oh yeah. This yeah. Is, I've been <laughs> okay. waiting for this. I thought you were gonna drop it earlier in the uh, in my union worst. But the big news relates to my union worst. Buckle up. All right, so uh, in lieu of a weekly eBay find, we, we just had to share this uh, purchase, I guess. Uh, so, uh, you know, a lot of you might remember, even though it feels like years ago, before this season started, uh, we, along with uh, many others, made sexy season shirts because of or Mete Orvitz's, um, you know, interview, you know, saying he was ready for a uh, sexy season with the union. And we all freaked out and loved it so much that everyone wanted to make shirts. And, you know, we, we did that and sold a, a handful of them about like, I think about like 20 shirts got sold and that feels pretty good cool. looking shirt. Like, so thanks. I like yeah. Mm-hmm. Th- yeah. Yeah. Thanks for everyone that supported that. But, you know, didn't really turn out to be that um, big of a movement because um, like we've stated, and it's pretty clear that Orbitz is not in favor with current and is, isn't hasn't gotten a single minute of playing time and nor probably will he this year so second season isn't you know exactly the the full force that it could have been this year um for various reasons but uh just today i got an email from bonfire who was the company that i got made this put the shirts out on they just sent me an email like hey someone just bought a, a shirt from you and someone just bought a sex season shirt uh today for some reason, and I don't, I didn't get the, I don't have the full info of who buys them because that stays on their website. But it's a, it was a, someone named Carlos. So Carlos, whoever you are, for whatever reason, thank yes, you. Sir. I don't know why you decided to buy this, or I don't even know how you 
found the jerseys because I don't like the link. You just maybe dug way back into our Twitter feed or something, but like we haven't promoted that in, it, in a very long time. Carlos, but, we have a uh, name. Carlos is uh, a union best for the week. How about that? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So uh, you know now and now because of that, the the campaign is live again, so people can buy the jerseys and I can. If anyone actually wants to look at them again, I'll send you the link. But uh, it was a shocking revelation that we found today. So I, I wanted to share that. And thanks to you, Carlos, because it, I, maybe he's just a big believer in, in, in Orovitz and thinks he can turn it around this year or something. But it's it was it was pretty uh, pretty funny to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's pretty awesome. All right, man. So we got we got the biggest game in Union history coming up. Um, I can't. I can't believe it's here. The biggest one. Union regular season. <laughs> I can't. All right. <laughs> What's your prediction? <laughs> oh boy. Um. I think. Oh, I mean, I think we're gonna win. Um. I think it's gonna be a pretty exciting one. I'm gonna say we're gonna win three one. Three one. That's pretty confident. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be exciting, and I think yeah, there's gonna be some pretty cool goals. It's like in my mind, it's gonna, it's gonna play out like the Atlanta game where there's some. You know, high quality, you know, fast paced game with some some exciting, you know, quick quick counter goals and stuff like that. So that's why I see this game playing out. All right, three one. Any goal scorers you want to take? All right, I'll go. I'll go Aronson, Casper, and Burke. Corey Burke's gonna score the last goal. How cool would that be in front of the fans yeah. in in the biggest? He'll he'll be pumped to score in the biggest game in the history. Yeah. Like, wait a do you okay to go back a little? Do you think he he could have potentially start? Like, you think we're, that could be he could be there yet? Um, I mean, I mean, what's in front of him? Santos and Casper. Yeah. I mean, it's not like not like you've got a striker on fire. Uh, our goals aren't coming from strikers. Our goals are coming from New England defenders and keepers and Fontana. So, <laughs> uh, unless those guys are on our, our I. I, I don't know. I, I would say no, he's not going to start because of uh, fitness. Yeah, probably not, but that would be fitness cool. Fitness-wise, but I could see him starting by the end of the year. Bring Santos in off the bench. Like, that's a pretty sick bench option. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, all right, my prediction, since you asked, I'll go I'll go another 2-1 tight one. It's going to be uh, it's gonna be tight. Um, you know, I'm going to go with my man, Mr. Fontman. And uh, 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 Bedoya. I was going to say a defender, but this seems like a Bedoya-type game to score in. He likes yeah. to score against Toronto, too. He, sc- he scores in the big game, so. Yeah. And, and this this is... <laughs> oh, I love giving you crap. All right, man. Uh, good podcast. We talked a lot. That was a lot. Yeah, the second half, I really, really dragged you, dragged you through the coals. Yeah, that was yeah, fun. yeah. Erlen Netherlands, that's pretty good. I think that's what we got out of this podcast, man. Um, yeah. Oh, we didn't even mention Carlos Cornell, Miguel, Miguel Cornell, and Aaron. Yeah, we didn't mention him. <laughs> we, we didn't mention him. We didn't mention the union's backup keeper from last year. Uh, but I can give Charlie Lyon a shout out. And ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening to the podcast. You can tell we're out of material, so. Um, Go out there. Go go to what's it? Subaru Park. 
to go witness the biggest game in Union regular season history. And thanks for listening and keep being good people. Union goal!